Golden State Warriors basketball. Back door to Curry, got hammered up and good! Curry came slicing into the right corner. This is Warriors Roundtable. He went reverse, took the contact, threw it up over his head, banked it home. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Warriors line up in a zone here. Jumper by Blake. It's up and no good. Bynum the rebound. Bounce pass stolen by Gladness. Thompson leads the break. Bounce pass rush with the right hand. Little elevation sensation for Brandon Rush. Time now for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. The Golden State Warriors last night losing to the Los Angeles Lakers by a count of 99-87. to And they head out for their back-to-back-to-back at Dallas, at Houston, at Minnesota. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy. Coming up this hour, we'll talk with Mikel Gladness, the young man from Alabama A&M, is spending a lot of time on the floor right now for Golden State because of all the injuries to the Warriors' big men. We'll find out about his college career, his influences, and how watching a video of Bill Russell may have helped him become a better shot blocker. We'll find out how the Warriors are giving back to the Bay Area community with an event at Oracle Arena hosted by David Lee on Warriors Vox. That's Warriors VOX. We'll answer your questions from Twitter. We'll also hear from David Lee about how disappointed he is to spend the rest of the season on the sideline and not in the paint. Kirk Lake of the general manager of the Dakota Wizards will come by and he will evaluate the first year of the Warriors owning a D-League team and about their recent ouster from the playoffs. And then Rick Buker of ESPN, a friend of Warriors Radio, will come by and talk about how exciting this postseason is going to be in the NBA. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, and we'll come back with more, a conversation with Mikhail Gladness when we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Chest pass to Lee, right corner, good big baseline, over the head slam for David Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Dribble bounce pass, Gladys goes up and slams it down with a right hand. Mikhail Gladys with a dunk. Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors Radio. We're talking with Mikhail Gladness, of course, and been signed by the ball club for the rest of the season. And, and first of all, congratulations on that. I always uh, think that people kind of downplay that, but when when you're signed for the, the year with an NBA club, that really means something. Yeah, I mean, to me, that just that that provides a little bit of stability because you know I've been bouncing around a little bit this year. So I mean, when you get that stability, it kind of eases a little weight off your off your back. I mean, it takes a little pressure off as far as um, have to worry about where you're going to be the next next couple of weeks or so. So, You know, and it has to be uh, something uh, as far as confidence for you this year, a confidence boost. Miami brings you in, so they're not going to bring in just anybody. They're going to bring in somebody that they thought may help them win a championship. The Warriors bring you in, despite the fact that they have just traded for a top-five center in Andrew Bogut, so they're looking at you as a player that can help them in the future. So that, that has to make you feel pretty good. I mean, anytime an NBA club brings you in, you're in for an extended period, extended period of time. It, it kind of it, it gives you a boost every every little time, every every little minute that you get um, with those clubs. It, I mean, my my of course my confidence was up beginning of the year, but you know it had some ups and downs. So I mean, when you get signed for the rest, when I get signed for the rest of the year, that just that just puts it back up to where it should be and where I'm normally accustomed to it being. Let's find out a little bit more about you. You're from Sylacauga, Alabama, and I know where that is because I worked in Birmingham for a couple of years. But, but tell folks in the, in the Bay Area and along our radio network uh, what type of town that is. Oh, wow. Um, 
really, I mean, it's, it's a small town, but not as maybe as small as people may think. Um, of course, we have our really the highlight of our our town is maybe a super Walmart center. I mean, but people don't they don't just put super Walmarts like in anywhere. So I mean, I guess that's a okay. I mean, it's a, it's an up and coming city. I mean, I would say town, but um, everything's pretty close. You have Birmingham, like you said, is like forty five minutes away, if that. I mean, so it's it's not it's not that bad. The pace of life's a little bit different than California. I can attest to that. Oh yeah, everything's everybody's a lot, a lot more laid back. Um, I think just the South period is is just had a whole whole pace of its own, and just coming from there, and you just I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm really a real laid back kind of chill, relaxed person. Why uh, Alabama A and M for college? Um, wasn't highly recruited out of out of high school. Um, as you can see, I'm I'm pretty slender now, but I was even it was even slimmer then. Um, so. I wasn't really how to recruit it, and those were the people that was going, the university that was going to give me. They were going to the best fit for you. Yes, they were the best fit for me. Not too far from home, even though at first um, I wanted to go as far as I could, (laughs) but um, it worked out. They gave me. I got three years after I went to junior college, and so I mean, Division One to me was Division One. I get the experience I needed, and I can still get to play against the top, the top colleges and universities. How did you uh, start playing basketball, and, and who were some of the, your earlier uh, influences or maybe players that you aspired to be? Um, well, I started playing basketball. Just my dad always played basketball, so it just it played collegi- just, he played collegially. Sorry yes. to interrupt it. Yes, he played at the University of North Alabama. So that kind of you know you see your dad, and he's not really pushing me to do it. But when you always everybody wants to be, well, a lot of people want to be like their dad. So I just I picked it up that way, and just it just took off from there. Now, when you uh, went to college and you're playing at Alabama A&M, you're playing Texas Southern one night, and you blocked 16 shots. You broke David Robinson's record that he set at Navy, uh, the Admiral. Did you know that right away, and, and, and when did you find out about it and, and the impact of that? Um, while the game was going on, no, of course, I, I didn't know I had nowhere near that, that many blocks. Um, but I think as the game kept on going, and I think this it was an instance where I was sitting on the free throw line. Well, I was standing on the free throw line. And um, our student section was, like, right behind the goal. So they, were, they said something about a record. I didn't really hear what they heard except the word record. And I was yeah. like, what? What did they say? And then, so after the game, it, it hit me that, I mean, people t- telling me here, you know, I walked past somebody, just congratulations on the record. I'm like, what record? But eventually I found out, and, yeah, it's, it's, that was a big accomplishment. Uh, Mikel Gladys, my guest. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors Radio. Let's get it back to the present now and talk about your, your role here, uh, playing for Coach Jackson and, of course, the GM Larry Riley. What did they talk to you about, and, and what were they uh, were hoping for you in signing you? Um, well, Coach Jackson has always told me, like I, I had a conversation when I got here earlier, just on my 10-day. Right. I always like to just know what, what's expected of me. What's, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you have? What, what are your goals for me? And, you know, see if they coincide or, or kind of connect with what I have in mind for myself. Um, so, Coach Jackson just told me simply, um, it's it's kind of hard finding finding bigs that run the floor, rebound, and just finish at the paint and control the paint. So, I mean, that's that's all I was I was planning to do. He was just like the offensive end. Anything I get on the offensive end is just a bonus. So, I mean, that's that was clear as he as he can put it. And so, that's what I've been trying to do as long as well as adding energy and bringing energy when I come on the floor. You're listed at uh, 215. Are you on a high calorie diet? Oh, yes, yes. Actually, I'm about 225 now, but, you know, it's okay. Numbers, <laughs> just numbers. But, um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'll always, adjust that on the statute. <laughs> always always 
trying to trying to get in as much calories as I can. Um, it was always a, a struggle for me to to put on weight. So now that I kind of have a little bit of what I need to do, that I'm I'm always like it's like a regimen. I have a schedule of what when to eat and stuff like that. So, so could you see yourself coming back next year for the Warriors? Sure. I mean, it's always it's always a good opportunity. I see myself. Well, I see the I like the playing time, and I, of course, it's a it's great to to be able to play mm-hmm. in this league. And when you get a, when you find a team that allows you to do that, and and find a coach that has confidence in you mm-hmm. to put you in the game, then I mean, you never want to let that go. Before I let you go, I want to talk about shot blocking. Uh, is it something you study? Is it pure instinct, or or do you put some time in to try to find out? You know what some of your opponents do, what some of their pet moves are. Um, I like to see what they what their moves, but I'm I'm going to just be fully honest with you. Um, as I was growing up, I I kind of developed it as a, like in high school, just going for everything, mm-hmm. and then you kind of you kind of learn to stay down on your feet because I got in a lot of foul trouble a little bit during when I was in college. So you learn from those mistakes, and now I'm a little more wise at selecting what shots I choose. But as far as like the the shot blocking itself is. It's purely instinct. It's purely like timing, and I've just developed the timing over and over as far as the games. You play an, uh, a lot in the D-League. You played overseas. What's the, the difference between that and, and uh, playing in the NBA? Um, I think the D-League game um, more prepared me for, for this right now because um, you don't have as much talent, but you do have some of the talent that you see in the NBA. And just the speed of the game. Overseas, it's a lot slower. You have a lot slower people, a lot a lot bigger guys. So that kind of helped me a little bit. But just the speed of the game, getting used to it. And I, I used the D-League. I think that was like my stepping stone, my, my chance to, to get used to the, the style of play in the NBA. I enjoyed my conversation with Mikel Gladness. Hope you did the same. What a nice young man. And we wish him well in his NBA career. Hey, Jawbone invites you to meet Warrior Center Andrew Bogut at 1 o'clock tomorrow at the Sprint Store on Marina Boulevard in San Leandro. Andrew will sign autographs for the first to 200 fans. And if you purchase a Jambox wireless speaker while you're there, you'll receive the chance to win a Warriors VIP experience. For more information and your chance to meet Andrew Bogut, go to warriors.com. Hi, Tim Roy, and as we chronicle each week here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, Golden State continues to give back to the Bay Area community, and we'll check out what's happening when we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Pass to Real White, over the head, Dove, caught it right at the rim. What a pass. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues, and the club continues to give back to the Bay Area community. As in partnership with the NBA, David Lee, a St. Jude ambassador, recently made time for Hoops for St. Jude, a meet and greet at Oracle Arena. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. You guys doing good? All right, starting off, I'll sign these for you guys in the locker room. We've got two jerseys for you guys. You guys are taken care of right away. Awesome. Oh, you're 10 years old, so that works out perfect, right? Well, I'm number 10. That's, that's not why I chose my number, but it could be my new reason. So, all right, you guys want to come see our locker room and stuff like that? See where we get ready? Let's do it. Come on. And what do we have here? I think we have gift bags for you guys. We can give you this stuff at the end. So then you don't have to carry it around the whole time. We got something for you, Steph. Two of them for Stephanie. 
and two of them for Mr. Benjamin. So we got that stuff for you guys. You guys tell me what you're looking forward to tonight. You want to see a win? That's what I like to hear. How about you, Steph? You want to play? Okay, well then when we go out there and shoot, you guys can both come get some shots up with me. How about that? That sounds good. I like that. I like that. You're ready to get out there and play now. I'm going to go out and get my shots up. You guys want to come get some shots up with me on the court? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. And we'll go back and we'll get your gift back to you. My name is Benjamin Barclay, and I am 16 years old. Today was amazing. I really liked it. I've never done anything like this before. The court, actually, it looks a little smaller on in person, but it's really cool. My name is Stephanie Welker, and I'm 10 years old. Meeting the tour is actually kind of fun. Shooting on the court, I was a little nervous. Making my first back it's kind of hard and high. Meeting David Lee, like I didn't know him before, but I do know he was leaving CM playing. Hey, if you guys want to say hello, this is Stephanie and Benjamin from St. Jude. They're with us tonight. They're our honorary captains. Continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions. Warriors Vox, Warriors V O X on the Twitter. We try to get to as many as we can, and we have a couple of great questions uh, this week. We're going to start with the uh, Butcher Boy four one five, who wants to know who has the bigger upside, Jeremy Tyler or Clay Thompson, and why? And who does Clay most resemble from the NBA? gone by that's a very very good question now the upside part of it i think they both have tremendous upside clay's upside will be realized quicker because guards tend to develop and mature quicker in the nba we won't know about how much of the upside that jeremy tyler will get to i think until we're having this discussion maybe two years down the road year three when he's 22 years of age and he's playing in the nba I'm going to be real curious to see what kind of a player Jeremy Tyler can be. He's got tremendous confidence. He has the size. Now he needs to develop things like footwork. He become a little more savvy and a little more judicious as to when to go and maybe when to kick the ball back out. But these are things that he can learn as an NBA pro. Clay Thompson has tremendous upside right now. He's, he's first of all, he's a, he's a knockdown uh, shooter right now. And he's got the size to be a good rebounder at the guard position. That's something that he can do. And he's also showing a willingness to move the ball here in this month of April because he's getting a lot of attention. So, so the defensive end, I think this year you can look at Klay Thompson and say, okay, he's a rookie. 
There are very few guys that come into this league and play great defense or even good defense in their first year. So I think Clay has some room to grow there. But certainly the rebounding and the assist, I think that's something he's going to get better at over the next few years. So it's hard to say. I guess you would have to give the, the nod to Clay right now just because he can do so much more. But again, NBA big men take a little longer uh, to develop. Our next question uh, comes from Benedict, who wants to know about this new app that he heard me talking about on Warriors Radio this past week. Well, it's a new app for your phone. I have one for my iPhone. It's a great app. keeps you updated on all the Warriors information, uh, scores and schedules. Uh, we'll Eventually, I'm sure we'll get to the point where we'll have interviews on that as well. Let's hear from T President Rick Welts about the new app for smartphones allows us to provide you as a fan in the arena and outside the arena all kinds of exclusive content that you wouldn't get from any other source. Certainly during games allows you to have a companion screen that, that's going to show you a lot of great things that are going on statistically with the game. It's going to, it's going to, uh, but, but most importantly, it really provides us a communications tool directly with our fans. As we continue, David Lee having a great season for the Golden State Warriors. He's out with a growing problem, more than likely not to come back for the rest of the year. One of four players this year, averaging over 20 points and nine rebounds. The other three, Kevin Love of Minnesota, Blake Griffin of the L.A. Clippers, and Dwight Howard of the Orlando Magic. I caught up with David Lee at the Warriors game recently in Los Angeles, the day after he made the announcement that he was going to be sidelined. Obviously, a disappointing day for David Lee. So tell me, obviously you've been playing in pain for some time? Yeah, a couple of weeks now. Uh, this has been getting worse and worse steadily. Um, but just uh, now, every time I, I sit down, I've had you know, shooting pains all the way down the back of my leg, to the back of my knee and my calf and everything like that. So went in and get an MRI just to make sure everything was okay, and, and they showed a you know, stress reaction and some, some problems in my hip and things like that and groin. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not like a you know tendonitis that I've played through where it's not going to get any worse. This is something that that could uh, result in you know tearing your groin or, or doing something severe. That now you're talking about you know a surgery over the summer, having to sit out half the summer and stuff like that, and 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 you know being hampered uh, for next year. And uh, so at this point, um, the doctors told me that that I should not be playing, and uh, I have to listen to that opinion. Is it rest that you need? Yeah, it's just rest. No. Uh, really nothing special uh, other than that and uh, it's unfortunate because I wanted to finish the season out strong and, and I was happy uh, uh, going through any means necessary to find a way to play these last like I've been doing but uh, but you know when I when I heard that that uh, that they said absolutely not because there's risk of, of severe injury then uh, then I have to at some point be smart. How disappointing is it for you? It's very disappointing just because of my competitiveness and, and not wanting to let my teammates down. Uh, already being shorthanded with Steph out and Andrew out, um, uh, you know these these guys rely on me a lot, and, and I consider myself the leader of this team, and I think they consider me the leader as well. So uh, to go out there and, and uh, have to cheer from the bench now rather than be on the court supporting the guys is going to be tough. Now, with everything you've done this year, do you think that this up until today, obviously, but do you think it's your best year as a pro? I think I've made a lot of advances in my game. Um, I was never a guy, even in New York, um, uh, the year I was an All-Star, I was never a guy that uh, you know you could throw the ball to on the block and I could I could make a play and, and score consistently. And uh, it was, you know, when I was scoring in New York, a lot of times it was off the pick and roll and off the fact that centers were guarding me and I was going by guys and getting layups and easy buckets. Uh, now, you know, 
playing my true position at the four. This is the first year where I've been able to, you know, unless teams are double teaming, I feel like I can score on, on anybody that's guarding me consistently one-on-one. And that's going to be huge for us next year, uh, you know, because we need a low post threat. And I think with Andrew and I working together, I think it's going to be tough to stop. And an example of playing, say, a guy like Blake Griffin earlier this year, you've made some strides on the other end of the floor too. No question. That's something I need to continue to get better at. That's no secret. Um, you know, but that's that's something that's that's tough to guard in this league. You know, power forwards. You look at you look at the best power forwards in the league. Um, you know, the the Kevin Loves, the Blake Griffins, the uh, Marcus Aldridge, Zach Randolph, Carlos Boozer, You fill in the blank. Amari Stoudemire. I don't think you'd you'd say any of those guys that that their strength is is on the defensive end. It's it's something that's going to continue to be a process for all of us because uh, guys on the block in this league are really good and they're tough to guard and. And uh, we just need to continue to, to improve our team defense, and I need to keep getting better individually next year at that. Looking forward to next year? Absolutely. I think we got a, a chance to be very good, like Jerry West was talking about. I don't think it's a deal where you're saying three years down the line. I think next year, uh, you know, based on, you know, it's gonna, a lot of it's going to be based on the health of, of Steph and Andrew, but if those guys are, are healthy, I think that we got a chance to be a very, very competitive team and a team that, that uh, it would be a huge disappointment if we didn't make the playoffs. Thanks for your time, and best of luck. Thank you. My thanks to David Lee, CCM8 wants to know from Warriors Vox on Twitter, Warriors V-O-X, or hashtag Ask Tim. He says, which Warriors will participate in this year's Summer League? We went to head coach Mark Jackson at a recent practice and asked him that question. He was a little reluctant to say just how the Warriors were going to play it. Well, we're going to continue to work, continue to attempt to get better every single day. Uh, we're going to have the young guys around quite a bit. Going to spend a lot of time with them. Going to see, you know, our veterans, whether it be in their hometowns or where they live, or have them around here as much as possible. But uh, it's 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 going to be a great opportunity for us to take advantage of, you know, what we didn't have last year. But I think you can bank on the fact that Charles Jenkins and Jeremy Tyler will be there in Las Vegas. They will be playing in the Summer League. They're under contract. It's a perfect way to get them some good structured run in the middle of the summer. I think Clay Thompson will be there. Remember a couple of years ago, the Warriors had Steph Curry, and he showed up and worked out with the ball club and had maybe, I think he played in a game or so in the Summer League. I think that's the kind of role Clay Thompson will have in next year's Summer League team. Now, as far as the other two rookies on the roster right now, Chris Wright, and Mikel Gladness, uh, I think that they would love to have Chris Wright uh, play for the Warriors in the Summer League team. No official announcement as of yet, and I'm sure Mikel Gladness will get some consideration for that as well. And plus, who the Warriors pick up in this year's NBA draft, Golden State, with the potential of having four draft picks coming out of the uh, 2012 uh, NBA draft. It's a very, very good question as the Warriors look ahead toward next year. Well, this year, the Warriors bought the Dakota Wizards, the developmental league team in Bismarck, North Dakota. It was a way for people like Chris Wright and Jeremy Tyler to get some structure to play under Warriors supervision. And it's also a way the Warriors are investing in their future, trying to become a championship-type franchise. I had a chance to sit down with Kirk Lakeham, the general manager of the Dakota Wizards, and we discussed the recent playoff appearance by the Wizards and year number one of the Warriors owning a D-League team. A disappointing way to, to end the season, but a, anytime you make the postseason, it has to be a successful one. Yeah, uh, we we obviously were disappointed with the way the season ended. We uh, wanted to go all the way, win everything. That was that was the goal, um, along with developing players, which I think we did do successfully. Uh, we did tie for the Eastern Conference title, 
um, and, and we were the fourth seed in the playoffs. So I think uh, by most most accords, it was a pretty successful season. Talk about uh, the uh, player development. In your mind, uh, which players really took a step forward this year? Well, we, uh, we had a chance to get Jeremy Tyler down there uh, for a few games, and obviously he came back, and he's, he's been starting the last couple and, and improving every game, and I think it was a very valuable experience for him just uh, getting on the floor. Um, he hadn't really played at all this year with the Warriors, and get, getting that, that experience and getting him uh, back in game shape before he was needed uh, was, was really valuable. And then uh, Chris Wright spent uh, quite a bit of time down there, and I think he really, really improved his game. Uh, he really helped us uh, win games, and he's a great, great competitor, defensively gets after it. And we just tried to get him uh, better with his perimeter skills so that he could uh, turn more into an NBA player. Any uh, players that aren't under contract with the Golden State Warriors that caught your eye a little bit? You know, uh, I, w I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of our players. Uh, we had a guy come in in the middle of the season, uh, Stefan Hanna, who uh, <clears throat> was very valuable actually last year for the Iowa Energy uh, during the playoffs. And he, uh, wow, he was incredible down the stretch. Uh, he had back-to-back -back games that I was at. He had 43 and 37, and he was throwing alley-oops all over the place. Uh, he, he was really, really pleasant surprise. Uh, Edwin Ubelis, our first-round pick, uh, was very good all season long. He was a D-League All-Star, averaged close to 20 a game. Uh, we had Marcus Dove, uh, who from the very beginning of the season was, was a fantastic leader on and off the court. And, you know, I, I'd really say he, he did a lot for our, our youngest player development, as did uh, Mo Baker, who's a, a legend in the D-League, really. I, I don't know if he's – he may have played longer than anyone else, um, and he's, he's going to get his, his number retired in Dakota. But he – from a player development standpoint, was incredibly important. When guys came down there, he had so much to offer them. First year for head coach Nate Bjorkren. Uh, give us your analysis of how Nate did. I thought Nate did very well. Um, you know, it, it was we gave him a challenge, no doubt, um, and he responded very well. He uh, he led the team to the playoffs. He he kept them playing hard all the way through. Uh, even even in the games we didn't play well in, we played very hard. Um, you know, he, he had great defensive principles, I thought, which is something we're clearly trying to improve on at every level of the Warriors organization. And uh, he, he was very receptive to us here. Um, you know, anything that Mark wanted him to do, anything that Larry wanted him to do, he, he would do those things uh, without asking. We talked about the synergy between the, the two franchises before. And how important in your mind is it when a player like uh, Jeremy Tyler or Chris Wright goes down uh, to, to Bismarck to have an assistant coach, in this case Chris Weems, who made the trip uh, back and forth. How important was it for him to be there? I think it was very important for those guys. Um, you know, obviously we, we weren't super close uh, geographically, and so it's hard to have constant communication with the other players on your team and, and the coaches you're used to. So to have a guy that they, they already spend every day with was very, very valuable, and, and he's such a, a great person as well. I think he really helped them off the court to understand what type of practice habits they needed to have um, you know how they need to respect other players uh, when they move from team to team, and he he was he was terrific. Uh, and you know we sent him all over the place on a day's notice. Uh, he he did a great job with those guys. And uh, the playoff series, obviously losing to the uh, Bakersfield Jam. What was that like? Difficult. Yeah. Very very difficult uh, for me. Um, and I I know everyone who was involved all year long. Uh, we really thought we had a chance to win the whole thing, and uh, unfortunately we just. We didn't play our best basketball at the most important time. We uh, we were the number one shooting team in the D-League, and we shot under 40% in the playoffs. So that's uh, 
that's rough, but uh, I, I give the guys a lot of credit because even though they weren't hitting shots, they, they continue to play hard all the way through, and we, we gave ourselves a chance, and I, I really believe if we had won that game two, we would have come back in game three and, and played the way we expect to. The Warriors just signed Mikey Moore. He was the 53rd call-up this year. It's a, it's a record between the Developmental League and the NBA. Why do you think there were so many call-ups this year? You know, I think there were a number of factors. One is, is the level of talent in the D-League is higher than it's ever been before. Um, there are so many guys who have, you know, professional backgrounds playing, who, who've played in the NBA, who've played a high level overseas uh, coming in because they realize the opportunities there. Um, and when you've got, you know, that high level talent, it's very easy to, to, to watch the games and see who's, who's good enough to play in the NBA. You're no longer kind of guessing if it'll translate. Um, and the other thing is, you know, I'm sure a shortened season, um, teams were willing to try things. There were some injuries and it gave guys a, an opportunity and a lot of them took advantage of that. What do you know now about pro basketball that maybe you didn't know at the beginning of the year? Um, I would say, what, what did I learn? That uh, it's not always easy. Um, these these guys have a lot going on. You know, we, we like to think that it's it's pretty easy to be a professional basketball player. And um, obviously there are some, some great positives to being a professional basketball player, but they put in a lot of hard work. And uh, if you're coming up through the minor leagues, for instance, it – it can be a real grind. Um, you know, I, I've watched a couple guys who have played three, four, five years in the D League, and it's unbelievable what they put themselves through. Um, it's it's a lot of games and a lot of pressure, uh, and and a lot of these guys do an unbelievable job, um, just sticking with it. Yeah, I think the guys who play in the D League they are truly in love with the game. You know, to to put up with as you say, to put up with some of the th inconveniences that they have to go through. It's amazing. Yeah, it it, it truly is incredible. Um, they don't they don't always have you know the the best travel accommodations um the travel schedule can be very difficult uh you've only got usually two coaches and your one trainer on the road with you it's a little bit different than the nba you don't have a hot tub a cold tub all the time so uh for them to go out there and, and play the schedule that they do is is incredible well, kirk i hope you enjoyed uh, your first year i did i had a great time and i'm looking forward to it again next year my thanks to kirk lake and also of course to david lee and thanks to you for participating in warriors vox warriors vox and don't forget check out the warrior cast of warriors.com slash audio for the latest warriors interviews including local radio show appearances pre and post game interviews practice interviews weekly roundtable show archives and much much more for all the latest warriors podcast and interactive audio content bookmark the warrior cast page at warriors.com slash audio great show so far it's going to get even better rick buker comes by from espn our friend of warriors radio to talk about the nba playoffs and how exciting they're going to be right here on KMBR 680 the sports leader turns the corner down the lane lob to we now continue with more of warriors roundtable Don't forget, Job Bone invites you to meet Warriors Center Andrew Bogan at 1 p.m. tomorrow at the Sprint Store on Marina Boulevard in San Leandro. Andrew will sign autographs for the first to 200 fans. You can buy a Jambox wireless speaker while you're there and receive the chance to win a Warriors VIP experience. For more information and your chance to meet Andrew Bogan, go to warriors.com. Well, before the Warriors game last night against the Los Angeles Lakers, with ESPN in town, we had a chance to talk with Rick Buecher, for sideline reporter and basketball man for ESPN, formerly of the San Jose Mercury News and a former Warriors beat reporter. He is a friend of Warriors Radio, and I had the chance to talk to him about the exciting upcoming 2011 NBA playoffs. First of all, tell me a little bit about the East. The East is intriguing to me in, in a couple of ways because 
you know, Miami and Chicago are definitely right there at the top. But, yep. but I think below that, when you go like three through through eight, there's a lot of balance there. There's not only a lot of balance, but there are uh, a lot of trap matchups for those top two teams. Um, you know, Philadelphia is a tough matchup for whatever reason with the Chicago Bulls. Milwaukee may not get there, but if they were in there, that's a tough matchup for the Miami Heat. Those, so, and, it, and it goes on and on. There's just very... Orlando is a tough matchup for Miami for whatever reason. So who has what when they get... Once we get through there, it's like we look at those two top teams as being separate from everybody else, and they are... But who they have to see early on could ultimately impact what kind of shape they're in when they get to the next step. And I think that's what makes that's what makes this playoff particularly intriguing is that we don't know throughout. Normally the first round's exciting because you might see an upset. And then after that, you kind of wait until you get, you know, you know who's going to be in the conference finals, you know who's going to be in the finals. This year... It's all mixed up. It, it, every series, every round is going to be interesting because it's going to depend on who's seeing who. Uh, no question. I, th- I think the West, I-, I said this the other night, I said the West will not have a, a, a champion. They're going to have a survivor. Because- <laughs> no, no, no. Well, and especially when you look at this season because, um, you know, we're going to see whether San Antonio's uh, method that, that got them potentially the top seed in the West whether that is going to work for them because they played such a deep rotation. Now you get to the postseason, you're going to have to tighten that up. Can they be the same team playing seven or eight versus playing the other night against the Warriors where they played 12 guys playing 20 minutes? Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see whether that, uh, whether they, their experience tops out or whether the athleticism that the Oklahoma Cities and the... Uh, the Miami Heats, whether that is going to prevail, those young legs in the postseason. And they have their closer, Ginobili, but I, I, I have a sneaky admiration for those guys because, because they just plug in guys that you've never heard of, and they just fit right in. It's amazing. Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, even TJ Ford before he retired gave them meaningful minutes. But to me, really, the story this year, and I've always felt that Manu, as, as Pop likes to say, no Manu, no championships. I believe that was true with the first four. And I believe they have to have him available if they're going to win again. But this, to me, really is Tony Parker's year. This is the year that Tony Parker demonstrates that he can lead that team, still getting big contributions from Tim and Manu. But whereas before it was one of those other two guys that was leading and Tony was fitting in, I think this is the year where, if they're going to win a championship, Tony's going to have to be that guy. I'm talking to you before the Warriors play the Lakers. Where do you see the Lakers ending up in all this? I'm, I'm not a big believer in, in them. The way I, I, I'm a bigger believer in Boston over in the East right now. They're, they're uncanny. They, they, and, and, you know, they've, they've got some young uh, improvement. Avery Bradley, you know, the question is, can he do this in the postseason? Brandon Bass comes in and gives them quality minutes. Uh, you know, you've had some rejuvenation moving Kevin Garnett to the five. My thing with the Lakers is, is I just feel that this group has been together too long and they've already had their success. And when you get swept out by Dallas last year and then you say goodbye to Lamar Odom and then you're coming in with Kobe Bryant not 100%, 
I am, I'm having a hard time making a case that you're going to be better this year than you were last year. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, Oklahoma City is, is really, really good. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about them is that if they're, they're not having an incredible night hitting jump shots, where do they go you know, with a game on the line? Well, the, I think the tough thing is, is, and I've seen it lately, is that they really, KD become, Kevin Durant becomes their go-to guy at the end. And the one issue that I have with Kevin Durant is that physically, if you, if you have the right defender, you can make the game difficult for him. And he operates from a place that's not opening up things for other people. And so, and they become a sort of take a number, KD's going, oh, he's not, okay, Russ, your turn, James Harden, your turn. And so that, that and the combination of that they don't value possessions, that their turnover count is so high. Uh, I, I believe they will tighten it up in the postseason, but can you get to that level of discipline that you need to win a championship? That, that's my concern with them. I think Chicago has that. We started talking about the East. We kind of veered off because it's so much fun to talk about yeah. all these teams. But I think Chicago has that dis- discipline. And I think Miami, you know, people keep you know talking about them. But, you know, last year they make a couple of plays, a couple of jump shots. They're, they're the defending champions. They are. What worries me about Miami is that they have to play – a high energy game they have to rotate and move on defense and they need to get out on offense and Shane Battier has not looked very spry Udonis Haslam hasn't looked very spry and so as a result that puts a lot more pressure on Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and my question is I'm sure that they've just coasted to the end here and that when the playoff light comes on they will be a different team question is can they be a different team for 16 wins playing that style because Chicago Chicago enjoys being in that grinded out slow like every, you know yeah. going back and forth Miami doesn't feel comfortable even now they don't feel completely comfortable in that kind of game and I just feel as if it's easier to play that kind of game in the postseason so We'll see. Again, it's why this playoffs is going yeah. to be so great. Because we, we have a lot of questions. I don't know that we have a whole lot of answers. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Final question for you, though. And you've been around the Bay Area a long time, former Warrior beat writer. Yep. Uh, what do you think of with the, the Warriors and the moves they made this year? I'm okay with the moves that they made. Look, I, I, I like that they're gambling. Uh, I, I like that they're being aggressive. Um, I just, you know, patience is the number one thing. You need... There's no quick fixes. You need to put the building blocks in place and give it time. And I just hope that they learn the lessons and go from there. Rick, it's always a pleasure to see you. Continuing success. Thank you very much. Always great to see Rick Buecher in the house. Had a chance to talk with him. I'm Tim Roy. When we come back, back to back to back. The schedule looms on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe You're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Upcoming games brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. I'm Tim Roy. Warriors go back to back to back. We're here in Dallas tomorrow night. The Warriors and the Mavs, and that means mighty Dirk Nowitzki. Now a kid steal against Harrington. Right to Marion. Hook pass across the lane to Dirk for a left-hand layup. 
Another turnover by the Nuggets. Their 12th turnover. The Mavericks with 18 points off the turnovers, and George Carl's going to take a timeout. Warriors and Mavs on KBR 10, 55-15 the airtime on the radio network. Saturday, we go to Houston. It's the Rockets, and they need this game badly. And the magical footwork that is Luis Scola. Here's Martin from Lowry on the elbow to Scola on Griffin into the paint. A little shake, fake, spin. Oh, how about that? Blake Griffin fell down, and Scola whirled and hit another jump hook. Warriors and Rockets, 445 the airtime on KMBR, 680, and then we complete the back-to-back-to-back. The Warriors take on the T-Wolves and rookie Derek Williams. There's Derek Williams again able to find the bottom of the cup. This time from 17, Minnesota's hit their last three shots here. Warriors and Wolves, 345 the airtime on KMBR, 680 on Sunday. Back home Tuesday at Oracle, where the Warriors take on the New Orleans Hornets. The first 5,000 fans receive a Warriors team photo cheer card courtesy of E. Insurance, Warriors and Hornets, KMBR 10-57-15, the airtime, and then the season finale against the San Antonio Spurs, the team with the best record in the Western Conference, and Mr. Fundamental, Tim Duncan. 18 to shoot, high post, Blair, low post, Duncan, slam, dunk, Blair to Duncan, Tim's got four, and with 2.55 to go in the second quarter, the Spurs trail by three. Warriors and Spurs, 7.15, the airtime. First 5,000 fans receive a Warriors slam dunk poster courtesy of Kingsford Capital Management at that game in the Bay Area on KMBR 1050. You can buy your tickets online at warriors.com or call one gsw hoop I, Tim Roy, thanking everyone connected with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We want to thank all of our guests, including Mikkel Gladness, uh, David Lee. We want to also uh, thank Kirk Lakeup, the general manager of the Dakota Wizards, thanking you for participating in Warriors Vox. Rick Buecher of ESPN for his insight into the upcoming NBA playoffs. Don't forget our next and final show this year before the draft is on Monday, April 30th, 9 o'clock on KMBR 680. We wrap up the season and look ahead to next year. Our producer is R.C. Davis. Our man at the controls, David Feldhouse. We thank Mike Krupitschka for his technical assistance and his patience. I'm Tim Roy. Warriors and Mavs tomorrow here in Dallas. 5.15 the airtime on KMBR 10.50. Don't touch that dial. ESPN Radio is on the way. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee drop step up and over Howard. It's good. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.